0: Job chapter 11, Job chapter 11, I love the song, Faith is a Victory, Uh, these songs get you ready to go into battle, (laughs) I feel like a a little kid, I'm going to go and Get my sword and attack someone. (laughs) I knew I'd get a look out of Elizabeth for that one. Faith is the victory. It it just such a a strength to know that our victory is in Christ, and and it just it causes me to uh, get excited and and, uh, encouraged in the battle as we consider what Christ has done for us. Uh, this chapter tonight in Job chapter eleven is uh, Zophar is going to talk to to Job here, and and uh, I titled it Zophar attacks. He he uh, he is more accusatory than the other two, harsher on Job than the other two. And I was looking at three things in this chapter, broken into three sections. His accusation in verse one through four, and then he's he's calling for God to reprove Job in five through eleven and then twelve through twenty. He calls for repentance. And we'll we'll spend more time on that last section than the first part, but as I was reading the first part of this, Zophar makes some some bold claims against Job here. And I wanted to relate that to how we respond to people sometimes. When we when we see someone in trials or or struggles and, Sometimes we think we know what they need, and uh, we can be very harsh at times. When I say we, I mean me. And uh, so I want to let's read the chapter, read all 20 verses, and then we'll have a word of prayer and and look at these things. Then answered Zophar, the name of Namathite, and said, Should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be justified? Should thy lies make men hold their peace? When thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure, and I am clean in thine eyes. O, that God would speak and open his lips against thee, that he would show thee the secret of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is as high as heaven, which canst thou do, deeper than hell, or or what canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he cut off and shut up or gather together, then who can hinder him? For he knoweth vain men, he seeth wickedness also, will he not then consider it? For vain man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. If thou prepare thine heart, stretch out thine hands toward him. If iniquity be in thine heart, put it far away. Let not the wicked dwell in thy tabernacles. For then shalt thou lift up thy face without spot. Yea, thou shalt be steadfast, and shalt not fear. Because thou shalt forget thy misery, and remember it as waters that pass away. And thine age shall be clearer than the noonday. Thou shalt shine forth. Uh, Thou shalt be as the morning, and thou shalt be secure, because there is hope. Yea, thou shalt dig about thee, and thou shalt take thy rest in safety. Also thou shalt lie down, and none shall make thee afraid. Yea, many shall make suit unto thee, but the eyes of the wicked shall fail. They shall not escape, and their hope shall be as the giving up of the ghost. As I said, he is, he, uh, is more accusatory than any of the other two and uh, very indignant towards Job, and very wrong. And I, I want to look at, at his accusations tonight. Father, thank you again for allowing us to come. Thank you, Lord, for uh, victory in Christ. Lord, it's, it's been what I've been meditating on this week, and, and what a blessing, Lord, to see uh, in your word again, that our strength is in you, our, our salvation is in you, our daily walk is in you, Father, that it is not dependent uh, upon any of my merit. It is all uh, according to you. Lord, help us as we look in your word tonight. Um, give me wisdom. Give me the right words to say. Lord, teach us tonight through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I titled it Zophar Attacks because he comes out here swinging pretty hard. And I, and I looked at this in verse 1 through 4. Um, many times we're this way. Many times I'm this way. I see Zophar as very indignant here. I've listened long enough. This has been brewing inside long enough, and I'm going to have my say. You're going to hear me, Job. And he says, uh, Should not the multitude of words be answered? Should a man full of talk be justified? Do I have to just listen to you and, and, and say you're okay because you talk a lot? <laughs> then he says, should thy lies make men hold their peace? He, he comes against Job as a liar here. You can go back and you can read the first nine, or ten chapters of Job. And while Job is, is suffering, and, and I believe there's some... There's some uh, possible bitterness growing in Job. There's there's definitely confusion about his circumstances, and he's feeling sorry for himself. The things that Job says, he's not lying. So Zophar is wrong in this. He says, Should thy lies make men hold their peace? When thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? For thou hast said, My doctrine is pure and I am clean in my in thine eyes. He he comes against him pretty difficult here and, and I I just looked at this and I thought, Zophar is like me in that I see something that I think I know something about and I'm going to be very forceful in it. Listen, this is where you're wrong. Let me straighten you out. And as I was looking at this and considering, I don't know a lot about Zophar. We're not given a lot about Zophar. I know that in the Bible we don't have any record of Zophar going through anything that Job went through. I do not believe he could stay and say, I know, your, I know your pain, I know your suffering. I've, Job's the only one in, that I know of that went through what Job went through. But he's got this idea that he, he, that he needs to straighten him out. And, and as I was considering this, I, I thought of this passage. Go with me to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. One through six, very familiar passage. Verse one says, "Judge not, that ye be not judged, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and what what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again." Now we know that this "judge not, lest that ye be not judged" is often used incorrectly, taken out of context. But the warning here is, listen, the way you judge someone is the way that you will be judged. Be careful in what you're doing. Consider it before you go and and say what Zophar said. Stop and and pray and consider your own self first. This is the way it's going to be for you. Verse 3, And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but consider not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or How wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and render you. We know this passage. Yet, how many times are we so far? Oh, you're, you, all your talking makes you right. Let me, let me straighten you out a little bit. Let me tell you where you're wrong. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that, that splinter out of your eye. Hold still. <laughs> that, that illustration is always so comical to me. I, I picture this guy with a great big old hunk of wood sticking out of his face, and he's walking over and going to get a pair of tweezers and start picking at somebody else's eye. We know that if that's true, I'm going to do a lot more damage to his eye than I've ever would have otherwise. I had a piece of wood back in my eye when I was doing construction in Wyoming. I couldn't get it out. It started making my eye bleed. So I went to the doctor, and I was very glad he had glasses on and could see well. If that man would have come out with, with something sticking out of his face, I would have left the room. I'd have run as fast as possible. So it's always a funny illustration to me that this is, this is, what, this is how Jesus explains it. But this is our life so many times. I can excuse the sin in my own life, get indignant towards someone else though, and and just go over and I'm going to straighten you out. Listen, this is what's going on in your life. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> it's comical, but we do it. First of all, get the beam out of your eye and then go and take the splinter out of the other guy's eye. Zophar is very... Uh, very angry and, and, and bold in his accusation, so much for, so that in verse 5 he calls for God to reprove. And I, I read this and I thought, what a, what a bold statement here. He's so convinced of his rightness, so convinced in his pride that he knows what Job needs, that he says, oh, that God would speak and open his lips against thee. Oh, that God would show you how right I am. That's how I read that verse. If he would just speak, you would see how wrong you are and you would listen to me, but you're not because God hasn't spoken yet. So convinced he's right. He wants God to show Job his error. And as I was considering that, how many times are we proud, thinking that we know the mind of God? We don't know His ways. His ways are above our ways. But there's so many times I think I know what God should do in someone's life. How many times do we pray for someone, Lord, show them their error. Maybe there's sin in the life. We can pray that. But we better have pulled the beam out of our eye first. How many times would we be better off to get on our knees and say, Lord, have your will in that person's life. Please lead them. Show yourself strong on their behalf. Give them wisdom today. I I don't know how many times we really pray that for one another. So many times we say, oh, that God would speak against you. And show this person how wrong they are. When he speaks, you're going to see that I am right. I'll be justified in what I said. What he says about God is not wrong. He goes on and he speaks of God's wisdom and his strength That it is far beyond ours. And and verse 6 is an interesting verse. And that he would show thee the secret of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of thee less than thine iniquity deserveth. This is true, right? I praise the Lord for his mercy, that he does not exact of me what my iniquity deserves. There wouldn't be one of us sitting here tonight if God exacted of us what our iniquity deserves. My sin deserves eternal punishment. That's what I deserve. But he's, he's, he's using these things that are true about God to try and prove his point. And, and as I read this, the motive of Zophar is, is pride. He's arrogant, and, he, and he's going to prove to, him, to Job that he is right. Says some things that are true about God. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? We can't, we can't, we will never understand God until we stand before Him. We know that's true. We can seek Him, and and we should. Paul said that in uh, in his epistles, that we are to press towards the mark, the prize of the high calling of God. That high calling is to know the Lord. Paul said, my life work is to know Him but I can't search out and find out all about God. So he's right in what he's saying. We, don't, we can't see his, all of his strength. We can't understand all of his strength or his wisdom. But he's calling for God to do this to prove himself. I wonder how many times we pray for someone with a wrong motive. I wonder how many times... We pray that God would be glorified in that person's life and that would be our only motive. That that should be where it is. I'm seeking God's glory through that person's life. Now I know that that's what's best for them. I know God's will is what's best for them, but many times we just call for God to reprove them. Show them how wrong they are so they'll understand how right I am. Then he calls for repentance. And I I read verse 12 through 20, and while he's wrong, while he is absolutely wrong in his accusation against Job, what he says about God's response to repentance is right. And I want to read that again, verse 12 through 20. For vain man would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. If thou prepare thine heart and stretch out thine hand toward him, if iniquity be in thine hand, Put it far away. As this call for repentance, first of all, is, is to put it far away. If iniquity be in thine hand, put it far away. This is a simple message tonight, but go with me to 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6. Jesus said in, in his sermon that if, we, if our hand offends us, cut it off, if our eye offends us, to cut it off, that, that's part of, or to pluck it out, that's part of putting iniquity far away from us. There's some sacrifice involved. Sometimes we have to be willing to say, you know what, I know what this is doing to me. I'm going to cut this off and get rid of it. Jesus wasn't literally saying, take a knife and hack your arm off. But he's saying these, this is the extent, the, the, uh, the seriousness of the matter. And verse 14 in 2 Corinthians 6 says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people." Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You know, we always we use verse 14, and it's right, in, in the area, area of marriage. If you're not married here this morning, you need to look for a saved spouse. You're, you need to marry someone who knows the Lord. That, that union cannot be right if they don't know the Lord. So it's, it's right to apply this to marriage. But what about just with my walk with the Lord? I, I look at this verse, what fellowship with righteous, have the righteousness, with unrighteousness? What fellowship does your spirit have with the things of this world? There should be no fellowship. There should be no... There should be no giving into it. You are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. We looked this morning in Sunday school in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. We're called perfect in that verse. In the Greek, if you look in the Greek, and, and another translation could be complete. Perfect. Complete. Now, I believe the King James Version of the Bible is perfect. <laughs> so we can say perfect. I think looking at the word complete gives us a little, a little uh, easier understanding, maybe, a, a better grasp of what it means. That I am perfect in Christ, my spiritual man. Paul said in Romans 7 that this spiritual man and this carnal man are at enmity. My spiritual man does not sin. My spiritual man is perfect. My flesh sins daily. My flesh sins daily. And so in my walk with Christ, can I put it away? As I, as I grow in Him, there should be more of a putting away of this sin. There should be less yoking of the righteousness and the unrighteousness. The wise man has discretion to know between good and evil, says in Proverbs. I can see the evil afar off and avoid it. That's the putting away. There's, there's, there's going to be sin. There's going to be a battle daily in our life. But as I walk with him, as I, as I know him more, I can put that away, the victory over sin. It shouldn't have any dominion over my life. I can come out from among them, and be separate, and touch not the unclean thing. How much do we put away, or how comfortable are we with sin? How comfortable are we with pride? This is one that can take root so easily in my life, in all of our lives. Our, our flesh is very proud. We think we've done something, or we're worth something, or there's something that somebody should know about me. And the Bible says that God hates it. <laughs> These things, six things that the Lord hates, seven are an abomination to him. The first thing is a proud look. Pride. We, but we get pretty comfortable in pride. We, we've, we've got some things in our life that we're pretty confident in. And if I'm honest with myself, it's pride. The Bible says, put it away. Confess it and put it away. Acknowledge what's going on in your life and and put it away from you. And then he said back in our text that let it not dwell with you. (coughs) Excuse me. Let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles. Verse 14. Same thing, right? Put it away. Let it not live there. Let it not dwell. But it's repeated, and there's importance in that. Excuse me. Not sure why I'm getting a dry throat here. Let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles. I was just talking about pride getting a hold in my life, and I get comfortable with it. It lives there, then. It dwells with me. Ephesians chapter (coughs) 4 Ephesians 4, verse 20. We're going to read all the way down through 32. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness wherefore putting away lying speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one another be angry and sin not let not the sin let not let not the sun go down upon your wrath "...neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice." And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. This, this verse of bitter uh, 31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Sometimes in my life, the place I've seen the most bitterness, malice, evil speaking, has been in the church. When when the church split when I was in high school there back back in Douglas, we would sit in the business meetings and I would watch people stand up and yell at each other. And I was just dumbfounded. I was 15 years old. And I looked around and thought, what is going on here? Obviously, this is not the Spirit of the Lord. I didn't have a lot of discernment at 15. I was... I was two years saved. I was growing in the Lord and I was trying to, trying to follow the Lord and, and walk with Him. And I was just stunned at the bitterness and anger and the malice that was there. Standing up, man stands up, probably about where Gary would be in the auditorium there, and uh, said he was going to come up on stage and whip one of the deacons. And I thought, what are you doing? First of all, how childish. But then how sad. And, and the ones that I was watching had this disagreement and all this stuff that was going on. I had heard their testimonies. And, and I knew some of them truly loved the Lord, and yet they had let this go on in their life. And this root of bitterness had started and it took about six months to just completely explode. It says, put all of this away from you with all malice (laughs) and and be kind one to another. There's a a choice made here. There's a decision that, that we make. I am putting this away. I'm not letting this get root in my life, this bitterness, this anger. This, uh, the Bible says that it's, um, boy, I can't think how it's worded, but it is guaranteed that offenses will come. You will all be offended by other Christians at points in your life, but how you an- answer it is according to this right here. Am I going to put away the bitterness and the anger and the, and the wrath, the malice, and be kind one to another? Maybe on the outside, but on the inside, I remember. You did this to me. I'm watching you. And the next time you say one little thing, I'm going to remind you what you've done to me. Isn't that the way we are? Instead of putting it away. And and Zophar here is accusing Job of lying and doing all kinds of things, but he's... He comes back to this truth about God, that if I will put away the sin and let it not dwell within me, that He will forgive me, and he will, he will allow me to serve Him and walk with Him. Verse 15, If I put it away, for then shalt thou lift up thy face without spot. Yea, thou shalt be steadfast, and shalt not fear. Because thou shalt forget thy misery... <laughs> I wonder about this. It will become a memory and we won't dwell on it. Remember it as waters that pass away. But we can lift up our face without fear and be, be steadfast. Lift up our face without spot and be steadfast and shall not fear. What's it say, I believe it's in Proverbs. It says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth. That verse is, is something to me. But the righteous are bold as a lion. If iniquity be in thine hand, put it far away, and let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacles. For then shalt thou lift up thy face without spot, yea, thou shalt be steadfast, and shall not fear. If I will will turn to the Lord and daily put this flesh to death, put away the the lust of the flesh, let it not dwell within me, ask the Lord daily to keep me humble, keep me dependent on him, Then I can lift up my face without spot and be steadfast and and not having fear. The the wicked flee when no man pursueth. They're always looking over their shoulder. They're always guilty of something. And I think we all know that feeling. When we know there's sin in our life, that's the feeling we have. Somebody's going to find out. Somebody's going to hear. Somebody's going to see. What do you know? (laughs) We're always on guard. They flee when no man pursueth. Have boldness if we are following him, if we've put that away. Verse 20, I'm going to close with it. But the eyes of the wicked shall fail, they shall not escape, and their hope shall be as the giving up of the ghost. The main theme of Job is the sovereignty of God. As we go through this, we see he is is sovereign, he is in control, and he's working in Job's life for a purpose. Job can't see it, where he's at right here, but he will by the end. Job's learning the sovereignty of God, but there's, there's another thing that is brought up several times so far in, in Job, and it is this hopelessness of the wicked. The, the punishment for sin. It's constant. It is, it is guaranteed. The Bible says that if we are his children, he will discipline us. We're chastened for it. So we're not going to get away from our sin as a Christian. But the, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, there's guaranteed punishment for your sin. And I, I, I see it as we look through every one of them um, have said that. Every one of the three miserable counselors have talked about the results of sin. And God put it in here for us. Your sin, be sure your sin will find, out, find you out. Well, I can't think tonight. I'm sure, your friends sins will find you out. We know that the Lord sees, and we know that He is going to cause us to answer for those things. You know, so far is, so far is pretty harsh, and and uh, and I believe very arrogant, and and I, I hope we're not that way. I hope we are seeing people uh, through the mind of Christ, the eye of Christ, and and praying that God would would lift them up, that they would be edified and used of Him. Not to show our rightness, but to show God's glory. And then, you know, if there's sin in my life, I'm called to put it away and let it not dwell. I know, I know that God will punish it. But I also know that He is quick to bring us back. He's quick to renew the fellowship with him, let's pray. Father, thank you tonight for our time together. Thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord. As we as we go through the book of Job, help us to um, to see the example of these men, Lord, to learn from them. And as we read about you, Father, help us to learn to rely on you, to trust you more each and every day, to know that you are in control, that you have have a purpose and a perfect plan in everything that you do. Father, if we have sin in our life tonight, show us that. If there's pride in our hearts today, convict us of that sin. Lord, that we will, that we will acknowledge our need uh, for you. Guide us this week, Lord. Work in the ministries of this church. Help us, Father, to be salt and light as we go out to take every opportunity to witness, Lord, to have a burden for the lost this week. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for being here tonight. You are dismissed.